Welcome to the Trashlands Podcast. It's the only podcast about the Pokemon trading card game that people listen to. Me and Mike Boucher are here. Britt was supposed to be here. He's not here yet. I assume he's going to roll in like halfway through the pod because like we're having some scheduling issues today. I apologize for that. It's mostly my fault. Mike and I are on Twitter. What's the other stuff that I always say? Um, we're sponsored by Dragon Shield. And I don't think anybody left a five-star review. I didn't look. Oh, guys. Well, oh. somebody did. Somebody did. Gyarados oh. 11. We got to hold it till Brit's here. I can't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the the adventure. All we right. appreciate the five star reviews. We're going to leave a review. It is so important when people leave a review that we are saving it for when when Brit is here as well, so we can really really dive into this. We very much appreciate it. It's awesome. All right, let's dive into this. We might have to circle back a bit when 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 if or when Brit gets here, but I think we should kick things off by talking about Angel Miranda. Yeah, it's really sad. I I'm not like super close with Angel, but he's someone that I've known for, I don't know, well over 10 years. Like, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, I've been playing for a long time and he's been playing for a long time. He's from New York City. I grew up outside the city on Long Island. I've been around the Northeast scene my whole career. So he's always been like super friendly face, always said hi to him, talk to him a little bit. I saw him in Orlando, chatted with him for a little bit. He's just a really good dude. And like, I'm I'm pretty good friends with that whole New York City crew. So like, I can't imagine Tristan Masick is the one that has been organizing the GoFundMe. And like, I'm pretty good friends with Tristan and all those guys. And it's, it's crazy, man. It's just super sad. I, I did not no angel personally but but i have an angel story that i i get to share with podcast listeners i i knew him essentially like through commentating and but but like what's funny is i have a memory of angel that i will always remember liam's first tournament as a master in baltimore he got paired against angel in round like three oh wow and and he was like i'm paired against this uh, a a miranda don't know who he is and i was like He's really good. <laughs> Liam was like, I've never heard of him. And I was like, well, you know, I think this is what it's like when you're a master. There's a lot of good players. And like many of them are not guys on this like top 16 grind, mm-hmm. but you're going to bump into them and you're going to realize they're pretty good. He's one of them. And like after round three, Liam was like, yeah, got bodied. <laughs> and like, as, as may, many people may recollect, Liam primarily blamed his terrible deck choice for basically all of his losses. But like, he was like, Oh yeah, you were right. He was he was super good. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first that was like the first round Liam had as a master where I was like you're paired against somebody really good. Welcome to Masters. This is like this is, you know, this is going to be the real thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was the first non-random person that Liam had ever been uh, paired against. And That's he proceeded crazy. to have the exact kind of round you would expect. <laughs> Great, welcome. We were just we just started. We were just discussing Angel and the unfortunate news. Yeah, and I was I've, I heard over the weekend and was you know I'd seen the the fake posting. I knew you know I knew something had happened, something related to Christian Ortiz. I thought it was like maybe his brother or something like that. And I was shocked. I like like a breath got taken away when I heard it was Angel. Like I don't know Angel, but I interact with him pretty consistently or at least regularly. And, become a fan liking of all of his tweets and things like that just cheering cheering him on but yeah it really hurts or again not to say that i can emote as the people who do know them but it, it stings for sure it seems that he was just so well loved yeah for sure 
the you know after I heard I looked back at our you know Facebook chat history because I was like I don't know I don't remember the last time that I talked to him online but it was it was it it's a kind of a funny story it's a few years ago I was teaching it was my last year teaching up in New Jersey and we had just gotten a new student who was I think a junior at the time and he played VGC competitively and so the only person I really knew in the VGC scene in the Northeast or the person I knew best was Angel. And so I like, I messaged him. I was like, yo, do you know this kid? And he, we, you know, we went back and forth about how, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a typical teenager. He's a cool kid. And the, like the last thing he sent to me was just like, LOL, I can't believe he, you're teaching him now. And like, I don't know, it's just the, the nice thing to have as the last thing from, from him. So, so listeners encourage you, if you can, there's a GoFundMe page that's been going around Twitter. You can go check it out. If you live in the New York area, I know they're doing a tournament this Saturday in Queens. I think the venue is called Gamer's Choice. And all the proceeds from that will also go to Angel's family. So super nice. Super nice. Yeah. I thought we should talk about Ahmed Ali's tweet as well, guys. I didn't see that really. What is what is the gist of it? Oh, buddy, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to flip open your browser and check it out because <laughs> yeah. TLDR is that ADHD people are at an unfair advantage when it comes to deck check because they're just not as inclined to notice these you know moderate minor alterations in you know sleeves and things like that, and that seems to track for me as well as I'm at ex- also equally expressing feeling victimized by the judges as a result of his his skin color his ethnicity and so on i believe is the gist of it all Mm. and i think i think more generally that everyone is kind of uniformly in agreement agreement that that penalties are just inconsistent and too harsh you know somewhere between those lines I, I had a couple of, of thoughts on the, the tweet that I want to get you guys' reaction to. And, and Mike can read while I talk, too. Um, mm. One is, you know, Liam and I talked about a little bit. And, like, let's be clear. We would never have gotten into the game if if it was a computer game instead of playing with physical cards. Like, like playing with physical cards was part of the attraction for us. And for me as a parent, of like, getting into Pokemon. But, like penalties like sleeve penalties for marked cards is the excuse my french fucking worst (laughs) it's the worst because like like i think just it's sad that i think every person who plays a lot of pokemon just accepts that like you just have to accept that from time to time you're going to get an incredibly arbitrary game loss Mm. i mean what i what i really dislike and this this relates to not just sleeves, but judging in general, is that, and, you know, this, this I think is, you know, manifest in all sorts of platforms and so on. But it's just so strange to me that we have, that every sort of, every single judge ruling has to be offered objectively. I just don't think that should be the case in the same way, like say in the criminal justice system that, you know, you know, how, how does you do that? Well, mandatory minimum sentences, we don't get to, we don't establish like character for these things. And we just sort of by default, you know, give you this verdict and things like that. And if you do sort of manage to establish character, I feel like that's just like, that's how you answer just like, is this person probably cheating or not? And things like that. And I understand that this, 
is difficult because when you when you operate behind the rules where there's just like, I'm sorry, you know, these are the rules, there's nothing else I can do. You know, that's when we get into these problematic territories where it's just like, sure, it might be in the rules, but I think if you examine it sort of at least a little outside of the literal rules themselves, you'd be able to make, you know, these obvious exceptions that like, this person is probably not cheating with what is going on with these sleeves, or, you know, this person is a, you know, take, I don't know, Andrew Mahone or someone like that, you know, someone of just like, I, I think is such a reputable player, like probably is never cheating is always such a source of positivity and just, you know, case by case basis like that and use that as sort of, you know, your way out of these sort of scenarios. And it just stinks that every sort of ruling is like, is like that, whether it's sleeve penalties, whether it's, you know, failing to ma maintain the game state, you're both sort of given equal treatment. And again, that's another instance where just like, you know, who's player one, who's player two, that again, like you establish these sort of relationships all, all over the place. But like when it comes to like legal reasons and we have to, you know, just be like deontic about it and absolutely nothing, just again, to say that like, sorry, it's the rules. What else can I do? It's like, you can absolutely do something else. Think about it a little longer. Like, I, I don't know if that tangent makes sense, but that's just like, I, I find a difficulty in the sorts of people who can can see just like, yeah, this is a problem. I do agree that you're probably not cheating triple game loss. Like, that's just feels so wrong to me. Like, it, it feels like there is a way out of these scenarios and it is through relationships and sort of demonstrating who you are and things like that. But So in addition to all that, one of the things that I and I've seen this argument before that I find kind of strange about sleeve penalties is I feel like you're either cheating or you're not cheating with sleeve penalties. Right. So like a game loss doesn't really make much sense. It's kind of like hedging their bets. Yeah. Right. And so like, I feel like you either deduce that they're not cheating and you've maybe, maybe you give them like a warning. And if it happens like, you know, a bunch of times, then you it leads to something bigger, but like it shouldn't be anything of real consequence. Right. Or you decide that they are cheating and they're de disqualified from the event. Like yeah, a game I mean, boss is like hedging their bets in a weird way, and it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, and so what I what I feel like is going on, or if I, if I if I can say a little more on like the comments I made on this thread, I assert that it's like a power thing. And what I mean by I, I do think it's a power thing, but I, I wanted to sort of clarify what I mean by a power thing. It's not that. This judge is just like, oh, how do I be high and mighty in this scenario? Oh, I, you know, I deck check in this scenario. No, it's more to the effect that, like, you know, one, I don't think you want to end up in deck check. I think that, like, as as your career as a judge, you want to work your way to being on the floor, to being a head judge, and things like that. And that the people in deck deck check, judges, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it is my impression that the people in deck check are not the best judges. That they're there for, you know, that you know, there of course are going to be good judges there too. But for the most part, it's it's people just like filling the space. And so, you know, what do they do? They think to themselves, I want to be a great judge. I want to be a head judge. How do I work my way, my way up? I prove to my, I prove that I'm good at deck checking. How do I prove that I'm good at deck checking? I find lots and lots and lots of people cheating. And in fact, in some cases, I I stretch it. I take any, you know, the an ounce of suspicion and I, I panel it, you know, something like that. That is what I think is happening. That is what I think the case is in a lot of these scenarios. And, you know, to say that it's power, but also just like, this is how you work your way up the hierarchy too. But maybe, right, right. maybe you, I'm you, you justify your existence by being diligent. Right. And that means the smallest error you're, you jump on. Uh, you know, the, 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 my immediate reaction to your comment was like, uh, I mean, all these companies I worked at, like I worked at AOL for a long time and AOL, you know, they, they were doing all these acquisitions during the time that I was there because it was like the AOL heyday. And like we used to talk about the deals they were doing and like 
how mediocre they were. But like the saying that I always heard, and it's so true, I feel like it's been true everywhere I've gone, is like when you look at companies that have MA teams, like those those MA guys, they don't get paid to not do deals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you know, if they look at an acquisition, they say that's a bad acquisition, nobody says good job, and they can't put on their resume avoided five bad acquisitions. Like, <laughs> Ain't getting ain't getting promoted to a, like head of BD for like not doing bad deals. But yeah, to, like, to, to do deals. You know, Nike's point. Yeah, like it's 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 not a soft cheating example. It's not again in any of these plethora of examples we've you know perhaps had cases of throughout tournaments this year. Say with accidentally taking a wrong card in Arita and you know palming a card from your discard and things like that. That like this is just stronger than stronger version of cheating it's 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 a sort of it's it's a mechanism or what have you that's designed you know it supports you every single round it is it is not a, an individual decision you know you don't re-sleeve in between you know swap your marked sleeves consistently to keep them on their toes or anything like that it's you know it would be a tool again to help you out through the whole tournament so yeah i've just never thought of the way mikey put it but yeah that's a, a real problem for me too like yeah like why is it not more severe you know compared to everything else because Again, if I think if you examine it from the perspective of intent and things like that, that if there are marked cards, you are cheating. Whereas, you know, all of these other cases, you know, the game state one, for example, truly can be an accident and you're penalized in the same way. Or again, you know, say it is intentional and you're like, oh, whoops, sorry. But still, like it's it's different degrees of intention, intentionality for sure. And I'm sure that every player feels this way. But like for me, when I like check a deck, like it, when I check my deck to see if I have problems, the problem is it's like weeding a garden. Like when I go out to weed my yard, you pull all the big weeds. And then after you pull the big ones, like the little ones are so noticeable. And then you pull those. And then like the tiniest ones are so noticeable. And like their sleeves, like you're shuffling cards 10 times around. Like there's no way to avoid Unless you say I'm just resleeving every single after every single round, there's always a problem. Yeah. You know, like I I don't know. I feel like I've never seen a deck that like you couldn't say, well, that's a problem if you wanted it to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And hence, and, and you know, I don't know. I guess what really jumped out to me about Ahmed's tweet is like you gave the example of Andrew Mahone, but like I think of Ahmed the same way. Like, yeah, I don't absolutely. think anybody thinks that that guy's cheating, you know? Yeah, I just look more of a figure. Like, I don't know if everybody... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's obviously, he's uh, yeah, Andrew's a public figure. But, like, I, I don't know. I mean, Ahmed is super well-known in the community. He day-twos tons of events. And he's the nicest guy in the world. I don't think anybody thinks that that guy's trying to do anything special, you know? Yeah, he's- He's also a chemistry PhD. He's absurdly yeah. intelligent on top of everything else. So yeah, yeah, like and and like he's a little older. Like he's he's not not you know he's not trying to win. He's trying to have fun playing Pokemon. And he you know he goes on a run. He's in a situation where he could top eight the event, and he gets this incredibly arbitrary game loss. It sucks. Also, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but on on the topic of praising Ahmed, Ahmed was the the courier for the Mewtwo B Union deck. From he was the local hey. shop that I found all the, all the cards for, and so brought <laughs> him there just to say he's a great guy. A little more, yeah, he's a super great guy. He is he is the absolute best. Very upsetting to see that like 
such a thing could go down. The other thing that, that jumped out to me about his tweet and I wondered about is, I mean, when he says that like a judge kind of sat on his round, one of the things I wonder, and I don't know if you guys had any opinion on this, is like when somebody says they want to escalate to the head judge, does the do do the other judges like hold a grudge? I think so. And then the times I've done it before, I've been a little rude about it because I'm just like, I know you're wrong. Get me the head judge right yeah, now. Well, I mean, that's that's what's implied when you say I want to ask yeah. the head judge is like, you're an idiot. Let me talk to somebody smarter than you. Right. So, so probably <laughs> at least to a certain degree. Yeah. And like, even if the head judge backs up the junior judge, you still said, I think you're an idiot. Right. I just feel like like it's just human nature that that would like create a little bit of a tonal problem. But like. It's not supposed to. And the fact that it does is upsetting. Yeah. Anyway, I'd be curious to learn a little, dig a little deeper, talk to someone who plays competitive magic or something just to get a sense of, you know, I do this and, you know, I make an equivalent mistake to Pokemon and magic. What happens, you know, and equally what happens at, you know, what from event to event from like pro tour, Grand Prix, local, et cetera curious just how different it is and you know i think magic in general is a little more interested open to bands like i know you know there's just always some controversy in magic where like the hall of famer gets banned and then he's he's finally unbanned and playing again it's just like he's probably still cheating and things like that but again just to get a better sense of how other games are doing things because i wager that it's better elsewhere but that's perhaps, you know, not well-founded. Yeah, that, that's probably all there is to say on that. I, or, or there's there's so much more to say, but it's just, it's just a complaint about the story. I mean, yeah, we could, I, I have some great stories of times that I, I may have told the main one on here before, but just like I got, I got penalized for marked sleeves and I like took the three cards they said were marked and like sh- shuffled them up and put like three other cards on the table and said, go pick them out for me. And they missed every single time. <laughs> i'm just like all right and I, I lost in top eight because of that prize penalty of the cities and i was just like okay you got me right, right. i mean it's it's it just seems you just take it as a given that you're they're going to blame you for something when like you weren't trying to do a thing and like it's just taken as a given and it, it really sucks you know it's it's just so unfortunate and and like the problem is obviously they're deck checking more aggressively people who are doing well and like you know those people have to just overcome that then and it's it seems unjust yeah world ain't fair what can we do all right guys big world announcements on pokemon day yeah Uh, i figure we should talk about a little bit about pokemon day stuff yeah well also naic dates i think we did our podcast last week like the day before they announced naic so we got dates for naic and world within a week this is awesome I mean, it's still way too late, but it's awesome to have them. Fine. I, I don't know if you guys were, were you guys a little surprised that the world's dates were earlier than normal? Maybe a little. I don't think I had too clear, like too much of expectations in either direction, but it, I, I do agree that it is, I mean, it's earlier than it usually is. Usually world's sort of like always conflicts with like the first week of college semesters and things mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree. It's, I think it's going to work out better for most people. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it was a little bit of a change. So I, yeah, I think I was a little bit surprised, mm-hmm. but I was, I was just happy to have dates. So that was a situation where I was definitely not, not going to complain about anything. 
Yeah, for sure. NAIC dates. Any comments on that? I booked at the Hilton. Okay. I think I'll try to book there. Yeah. I don't, I need to start figuring out my plan. I, I know they said that they're moving up to the A and B halls, which are the bigger halls. Mm-hmm. So whereas before, like we were kind of down at the, the far end, which is where they like had set up that Pokemon center. Now they're going to be up at the top. So the Hilton is a little more on, uh, on point. I would booked at the embassy suites, which was very close to that previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think, Ross booked a room for us, but I'm not sure exactly where it is. It is funny that they did change the date from the previous, like when they initially announced it, because they did, I guess, actively avoid Origins. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I didn't see, is there, did they announce an Origins? I was wondering if, I know somebody had commented about how it used to be that there was like Origins and then a week and then... It's Origins before, yeah. I think Raul tweeted speculatively that there might be a special event or something, which which has happened in the past. The, right. The, one, the 2017, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, you know, I, was, I was always a fan of that. And I remember, I think pandemic year, I'd been planning on like helping Liam do the like Origins into NAIC like spend a week. And then I know everybody goes to Six Flags in between. We were like trying to figure out how to make all that stuff happen. We were going to get like an Airbnb with a bunch of guys, which is a really good thing to do. Yeah. But it, it's just funny though, because like when it, when they first, they announced like the NAIC dates this year for like a day and then they took it down and it was the same weekend as Origins. So it leads you to wonder if like Pokemon hadn't booked the convention center yet and just put the dates up. That doesn't seem likely, I guess more likely would be that like they had booked smaller halls and then like took it back. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird that they would release dates and then have the dates changed. I, I It's just unclear like what happened. <laughs> you know, I assume Origins is a really big event, but if they were able to do Origins in the smaller halls and then they did Origins in NASC at the same time, I think that'd be super good. Yeah. I mean, so the first couple years that Nintendo took over 2004, 2005, 2006. I don't remember when they first moved it out of Origins, but at least those first three years, Nationals, U.S. Nationals was part of Origins. It was exactly during the same time. Now, sorry, sorry. But now Nationals was much, much, much smaller then, but it was the case for a few years. And those, I I have some really fond memories of that. Like, you know, being able to do kind of like a whole, gaming convention essentially when I wasn't there like we went with my family we went you know a couple days early and the day before national started we just did a bunch of random stuff which was sweet I was just gonna say it's 2009 I believe 2008 was the last origins because there was there was the St. Louis year and then we were in in Indy for a while Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah if they could manage that I don't I I don't know how big Origins is these days, like, but if they could manage that sometime, that would be really cool. I think it stays pretty big. Like, I don't think it's com- comparable to Gen Con, but I think mm-hmm. it's kind of up there in terms of, especially in the Midwest, just like big gaming to do's. Yeah. Yeah. My impression is while I have never been, uh, it seems like it'd be super fun. I mean, kind of on that note, I think that uh, a lot of people have talked about this as, you know, a possible solution to like making regionals better is that, you know, some people have expressed 
something to the effect of that just like i go to regionals because it's there just aren't pokemon conventions right and so like i, I feel like exploring something in that direction also is solvable because yeah especially you know playing into the the collecting side of things that's had such a huge uptick and, and things like that like yeah like i think there there are players that do just sort of want to you know play pokemon the card game in in a way that's you know with their friends and meaningful but that they were the only option is just going playing it at the highest level competition possible like mm-hmm. just kind of feels bad too and i was talking with trainer hill a little bit just about just like the disparity in like local scenes and how as i've said before i find i don't like I, i'm not against locals coming back but i just really don't think that marrying locals to the the uber competitive scene is like the right idea i think there needs to be some sort of like intermediary between the two and just like similarly looking at the products that tpci makes they're just i don't think is that a good enough bridge between competitive and casual because you have you have like the battle academy which is for babies tutorial you have the v battle decks which in theory should be that bridge but they're just not they're it's not good enough they're just bad still and then and then after that you get the league battle decks which are just pre-cons of real decks essentially and you know i I don't know if that sort of comparison makes sense but i just think like because to foster as a community to help the game grow you need the local scene and i feel like only the only seeing grinders especially grinders that are going to travel three hours to your tiny little local store to you know stomp people that are learning and playing for fun i feel like there just has to be a better way to do that and i I don't have a solution but i guess to express again that i i think something something sanctioned that can cater to you know again something that isn't just uber competitive i feel like is a good direction to keep the game healthy and growing I really like how they have the the Pokemon first start thing at regionals now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it was the first time they had that at Worlds or in AIC. I can't remember, but like I remember the moment I saw that, I was like, "That's a really good idea." I I wish that they that there was like more regional marketing around it because I yeah I, I saw the tweet too where they were like they should make them Pokemon conventions and I was like that's a great idea. Uh, big fan of that yeah you have the the go stuff i guess might have you know obviously it's like outside and things like that but the sort of event crews you know niantic doing stuff for that so yeah i feel like definitely seems like something i tpci could profit off very easily yeah you know you run a you know comic-con kind of thing that's only pokemon you know you you bring in the artist you know artist alley and all that stuff if doing it officially just it feels like it would make a ton of money yeah totally agree. so, totally so agree. popular and again there's such like i don't know if you saw the like thing that like danny and like kid and people were involved with but it's sort of like a show match but more involved with like the collectors and things like that but yeah to say that i think they would show up to this kind of thing like this you know official sanction just like let me show off all my stuff it's just like a good opportunity and we'll just make money on hotels and things like that i'm sure yeah, I mean, if you think about how popular the trading area was, is every year at Worlds, like, I'm sure you could get probably two thirds of that at almost any regional thing, just because like regional, like how many people can travel to trade? It's a it's a hard thing to do. And I know traveling to trade is like probably slightly more lucrative or like more interesting to Japanese people and stuff like that. But like, I'm sure there's a big market for that kind of opportunity and there's that kind of interest, you know? All right, guys, let's uh, we got a couple more things we got to grind through and we have a hard stop in six minutes. <laughs> PTCGO, no more updates starting today. 
Yeah, I just think that's worth noting. There's no real incentive to migrate to live until Scarlet Violet comes out, but this is the official day that nothing new is coming towards PTCGO. If there's any bugs in the game, they're there forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very I don't know. I haven't I've yet to play a game with PTCGL, so I can't comment, but I get the impression I'll be thoroughly traumatized very shortly. The only the, the one benefit that I was thinking might happen, it probably won't happen immediately in a month, but maybe today on March 1st means <laughs> PTCGL is using the money that they were giving to Direwolf or at least some of it to start hiring more people and we'll see a little bit more more rapid improvements in ptcgl starting today i don't know if that's true but we'll see yeah i like i hope it's true i thought about that too like i guess my impression is the way like companies work is what like what happened was they said okay step one is you have to invest 10 million dollars and then you'll have your own client and then you can stop paying those dire wolf guys mm-hmm. and and like i don't know six months ago they were probably supposed to stop paying the dire wolf guys and they were like no you got to keep paying them you got to keep paying them mm-hmm. but like I don't get the impression like I assume they felt like they were making an investment to stop paying them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, oh, once you stop paying them, you get all that money. You can do whatever you want with it. You put it to better use. Like I'm assuming that the company is planning to claw all that back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, we invested already. We've, we fund two teams running simultaneously. We're not going to just keep paying twice as much. We have a team. That team's going to just keep going. Right. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, it sucks because, yeah, like you'd like to think that, you know, we get something for not having PTCGO anymore. But mm-hmm. I think that, that probably doesn't work out that way. Just look at their opening. We don't really have time to delve deep into Knoxville, but, you know, nothing too crazy. There is Lugia and other decks. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do want to briefly mention, I love Xander's inclusions in Mew. Like, absolutely love them. Did you guys see that combo? The the I, I didn't actually get to see him deck somebody out, but I assume he decked somebody out. Yeah, I'm sure he did. For those listening, he put instead of a one one Aerodactyl in Mew, he put a one Pidgeot V and one I don't even remember what it's called. Dreepy is, is that what it's called? So Dreepy is a fusion strike Pokemon for a psychic energy does ten, and your opponent cannot retreat. So Mew can copy Dreepy with a double Turbo, and it's doing zero damage, and your opponent cannot retreat. Normally, this has been a strategy used a few times, but in the history of Pokemon to like infinitely lock your opponent's active Pokemon. But the really the one use case that Xander put it in for is for the Lugia matchup. So against Lugia, you want to path to the peak them so they can't summoning star. One of their only outs to that is to use Pumpkaboo, and it's their most accessible out to that. So if they do go for the Pumpkaboo to try and get out of the lock, you can gust the Pumpkaboo. And you can start making it so that they cannot retreat. You are doing zero damage, so it's infinite. I've thought about this strategy quite a bit to try and beat Lugia, but the issue I always ran into it is that they can attack with Pumpkaboo, or they can attack with Dunsparce or Manaphy. They have the resources to attack with these cards. But Pumpkaboo only does 20 damage, and Fusion Strike cards have access to Oracorio, which reduces damage by 20, so they cannot do any extra damage, meaning that you can infinitely lock them. You know. They might play a bird keeper or escape rope. So, but as long as you can just boss it back up and not lose the game, then you are good to go. So I thought it was a really, really cool idea and a unique way to approach the matchup. And I'm sure 
I, I know it won him at least a few games, and I think it just seems more consistent and more natural than running Aerodactyl. So really like it. Yeah, I think he pivoted away from the Aerodactyl because I the, I talked to him about Mew and just was playing his list for the the thing I did that in last week, and I I think it makes sense. Like, it, it is funny, you know, that we exist in a format where the best deck you can just in theory almost you can just put a one one of everything, and it gives you like a fifty fifty shot against it. You know, Cologne depending, of course. But yeah, I, I think that this you know just ended up being more proactive anyways. That it's just not worth this phase because it's just so dead a lot of the time too. But I mean, it's cool. I mean, I complain about Mew often as the the archetype that, you know, was force fed to us by set design, but people inno- have innovated it two or three times now. And I'm, of course, always very impressed. So it is really cool. And yeah, again, these strategies are always super cool to see, just these kind of very niche win conditions against preying on particular weaknesses in deck building and so on. I mean, this is the, the benefit of a like well-formed meta is like, you know what the Lugia players are doing. Like there's no, so, so you can like really think out of the box about how to counter that and, and try to really come up with some innovative stuff, which, which is nice. Yep. All right. Uh, we, do you want to talk about the Heggy interview really quickly? Oh, I just wanted to mention, I thought I, I wanted to mention when we talked about the OCIC stream, that was like, for me, the best part of the whole stream. I don't know if you guys saw that little segment when he interviewed the two Japanese players, but it I was did good. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell, tell us about it. He, he had two of, I, I, he had two of the most prominent Japanese players. One of them, Daichi, who was got third, second at World. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. And one of the other players that's like part of quote unquote Japan's elite four. And so he was just kind of talking to them. They spoke like a little, a minimal amount of English. It looked like they understood better than they could speak. But so they had a translator there, but Ethan also speaks some Japanese. So that was kind of cool. So they got to like it was like a mix of English and Japanese. And they asked them about the tournament structure there, what they thought about our tournament structure. It was just, you you so rarely get to see the perspective of Japanese players. And they were both, so it was interesting to hear from them, but they were also, those two individuals were clearly used to being kind of in front of the camera, just like, you know, someone like Azul might be here. And so that was, it was just really cool. It's very entertaining and a window into the Japanese player's experience. Guys, I got to call it. I got the stuff I got to do today, but we will reconvene. I have such a good would you rather question that we'll have to save it for the next pod. Along with the, we got a, we got a review in Brit, but we have held off reading it. They'll save it for next week. Sweet. Good. Sorry, I was late. <laughs> <laughs> the John Pauls are our outro.